I don't know if we're an affluent congregation, but we have the Bacchus in Peru, the Hausermans in Germany, the Blakeleys in El Paso. Well, that's nothing special, El Paso. Come on. Mike's in Tucson. <laughs> Niels is somewhere in Texas. <laughs> I'm glad you folks showed up. <laughs> but I'm going to take my vacation in the latter part of June. But anyway, we're in Numbers chapter 22. We've been going through uh, Balaam, whether he be prophet, whether he be diviner, uh, and we... Look last week how Balaam's donkey asked him, why have you struck me these three times? What's wrong with that picture? Balaam is so angry that he doesn't recognize an animal is talking to him. Peter in his epistles calls Balaam's behavior madness. And you you, you got to kind of go along with Peter on that. But in verse 22 of Numbers 22, we have Jesus appearing as the angel of the Lord, a Christophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. Now, there are several appearances of Christ in the Old Testament, but this is one of the more significant ones. And we also have the Holy Spirit who appears in the Old Testament also, God in three person, he was there from the beginning at creation. Uh, he's there in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And Jesus was there on the scene with Israel, his people, long before he became the babe in Bethlehem. The Holy Spirit was there in the Old Testament too, before the day of Pentecost. In Psalm 51:11, David is repenting. He's in prayer. And he declares to the Lord, Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. But let's read a few verses in Numbers 22. We'll look at verses 36 through 41. Now when Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him at the city of Moab which is on the border of Arnon, the boundary of the territory. Then Balak said to Balaam, Did I not earnestly send to you, calling for you? Why did you not come to me? Am I not able to honor you? And Balaam said to Balak, Look, I have come to you now. Have I any power at all to say anything? The word of God that he puts in my mouth, I must speak. So Balaam went to Balak, and they came to Kerjath Hozoth. Then Balak offered oxen and sheep, and he sent them to Balaam, to the princes who were with him. So it was the next day that Balak took Balaam and brought him up to the high places of Baal, and from there that he might observe the extent of the people of Israel." Verse 37, we hear Balak, the king of Moab, scolding the prophet Balaam. Where have you been? I earnestly call for you, and why did you not come to me? Balak, 
as king is not accustomed to having his request ignored. Did I not offer you an abundance of gold and silver, yet you didn't come to me? Balaam has a response. He says, look, I'm here now, <laughs> but I can only speak what God allows me to speak. That is good advice for any of us. <laughs> that would be what I call a good policy for modern day uh, preachers or so-called prophets. If you attend here regularly, you know that I have a pet peeve and it's TV preachers. <laughs> and they spend a half an hour at least talking to us sometimes and saying absolutely nothing of substance. Many never even open their Bibles. They will tell you how to get in touch with your inner self. Be all you can be. You're a child of the king. You have a right to a good, productive life. And their message is a feel-good message. And by the way, as believers, you deserve prosperity. And we hear these TV preachers proclaiming a social gospel. And they only look at scriptures that fit what they consider a positive self-image. They kind of stay away from verses that read about suffering. Verses like when Jesus said, hey, the world hated me, guess what? It's going to hate you. Or those who seek, even seek to live righteously, they will suffer persecution. And they do not dare speak about or proclaim that the wages of sin is death. Balaam has Balak, this foreign king, chastise him. And he's saying to him, what is wrong with you, Balaam? I'm able to make you a rich man if you'll just do what I'm asking. But you know, Balak hasn't witnessed the donkey talking to him <laughs> in a human voice. Nor has Balak seen that the angel of the Lord stood in the path of Balaam with a drawn sword. Peter tells us Balaam wanted the payoff. He wants the bonus. He desires to curse Israel, but God won't let him. God himself has forbidden Balaam from doing this. Okay, that was 3,000 years ago. Fast forward. And today we see the entire world aligning itself against the same nation of Israel that Balak comes against. I'm going to get a little political here. I don't normally get political from the pulpit. I don't think it's a place to get better. But our president right now is very displeased with Israel's Netanyahu because Israel 
this tiny little nation will not cow down to our Middle East foreign policy, as if we had one. Anti-Semitism is alive and well, not only with Israel's neighbors, those nations that surround them, but Europe also boycotts a lot of the goods that come out of Israel, in particular food products. Now, the Palestinians are not accepted by any nation in the Muslim world. Isn't it peculiar that the Palestinians have to find a home in a Jewish country of Israel? Yet the Muslim world wants Israel to take on and take care of the Palestinians. And every nation joins in criticism of Israel by the way they run their own country. Here's the part I don't like. The U.S. joins in this criticism and condemns Israel for building housing for their own people in their own country. So the politics of Balak's day are like reading the evening newspaper today. I receive a monthly magazine called Israel Today. And in every issue of this little Jewish magazine, they deal with anti-Semitism. And they cry out how they're mistreated and how they're unloved. And it gets to be an old song, but it's a true song. Israel realizes that they are hated by the nations that surround them. And you don't have to tell a person when they're hated. It's kind of something you can pick up on. You can kind of sense that. And Israel has few friends in the world today as a country. Years ago, before I was a tree farmer in California, you didn't know I had that great heritage, did you? I was in business for myself, and I had an older Jewish man who schooled me in business practices. He was my biggest customer, so I tried to keep him happy, and therefore he wanted the best deal, a better deal than anyone else because he was my biggest customer. But he taught me a few things that I've tried to learn in business. And he says, when you're dealing with another company, always go to the person that's able to make a decision. Don't deal with anybody else, but that person who is able to make a decision and deal with that person. That was good advice. He was hard nosed to say the least but he had a heart for the little man. Now, if I based my opinion on Jewish people from this one man that I knew, my opinion would be very jaded. And your opinion, you have to guard your heart. You can't let it get jaded against Israel because of dealings with one or two people. Jews, are known for their notorious business dealings. I think my mother was part Jew. Not really, but 
She acted like she was. As one of her children, we learned that everything is negotiable. A good deal to my mom was when you made the other person cry uncle. My mom's children, self-included, accused my mother of being Jewish. <laughs> and if you've had personal experiences with Jewish people, you may have that same kind of opinion. But guard your heart. They're God's chosen. And God has not cast aside Israel. And he's not done. He's not through with his people. And God made a promise to Abraham way back in Genesis 12. And it was a, a strong promise. And it was for the entire world to read about God's feeling towards his people. And this promise of Genesis 12, 1 through 3 is repeated throughout Scripture. So let me read you these three verses. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in your families, all of the earth shall be blessed. God has lived up to his promise to Israel. God has prospered Israel. They were no one. They were just a scattered few people till 1948. You know the story. They became a nation. And the day they became a nation, their Arab neighbors attacked them. But Israel is a small, tiny little country about the size of New Jersey. And Israel is hated by their neighbors, the Arabs. And the fact remains, the reason they are a nation is a miracle of God. He is taking care of his people. But in Genesis 1, 12, 1 through 3, we have what we call a heavenly portrait of a people that are chosen by God. God himself declared to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And, and you, Israel, you'll be a blessing because the Savior of the world will be a descendant of yours. Jesus the Messiah, in his human form, was an Israelite. Salvation came through the Jews. Now, I'm a, I'm a grandparent. And when you grow older, you begin to look to your children and your children's children as an extension of yourself. You're thinking you laid down some good policies somewhere along the line, and you look for these qualities to come out in your kids and in your grandkids. And as parents, we pour ourselves into our children and even our grandchildren. And when we read of the human lineage of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, guess what? They were descendants of Abraham and Jesus Christ, of course, the greatest blessing our world has ever known 
was an Israelite. And God has not closed the book on Israel. He's not done with them. Israel today, they're a secular nation. A large percentage of the Israelites are atheistic. But that will change because we read in Romans 11, 25 and 26, do not be ignorant in your opinion of Israel. And this is the Apostle Paul writing, when the fullness of the Gentiles has come, then all of Israel will be saved as it is written. That's a big promise. All of Israel will be saved. So God has still got a great work he wants to do with his people, the Jews. Now, there is floating around today what we call uh, replacement theology. And replacement theology is simply where the Christian church replaces the promises given to the Jews to the church. They say, we're the ones that should receive those promises. Israel and the church are totally separate. I do not buy into replacement theology for a moment. We are yet to see what God will do and how he will save his people. But back to the promises of Abraham in Genesis 12. Not only will God bless those who bless Israel, but God will curse any that curse Israel. Three times Balak will take Balaam to a high place and show him the entire camp of the children of Israel. And three times Balaam can only pronounce blessings because he's fearful of what God will do to him if he dare to curse them. Numbers 23, 8, Balaam's speaking, How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? Now let me read 23, Numbers 23, 11 and 12. Then Balak said to Balaam, What have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies, and look, you have blessed them bountifully. And he answered and said, Must I take heed and speak? Must I not take heed and speak what the Lord has put in my mouth? Balaam said, I'm afraid not to say what the Lord would have me to say. And for all outward appearance, it, it seems like Balaam has learned his lesson, but he really hasn't. <laughs> uh, he knows better than to curse Israel, though. On the political front today, I am fearful as an American of our current administration that they will fall into that satanic trap of trying to curse Israel. Up until this current administration, whether Democratic or Republican, we have been the friend of Israel. We've given them financial aid in abundance. We give them defensive weapons such as our F-15 and 16 fighter jets. And when Lori and I, that's my wife, when, when we were in Israel, you'd be out somewhere in the, the countryside and these F-15 and 16s would fly in a, in a four formation over you. They're patrolling the skies. 
They have to patrol. They never know when they're going to be attacked. And they're there, and they're flying American-made planes as their protection. And as an American, as a Bible believer, as a Christian, it troubles me to see a change in policy of America towards Israel. There is definite tension between the Obama administration and Israel today. And my fear is that America will take the position of an adversary against Israel. I don't want my country, I don't want America attempting to curse Israel. I want America to be Israel's friend. And in my humble opinion, we would be wise to bless Israel and enjoy God's continued blessing upon us. But there's also biblical prophecies that troubles me. And it tells us that all will turn against Israel, God's chosen. Put that aside. God still has a plan for Israel, though. And it's to save all of them, as Romans 11 declares. Israel remains God's chosen. They're his people. Even though for a while they're separated from God, and it's a separation that the fullness of Gentiles might be saved. Israel being set aside for a while where the fullness of Gentiles can come to know the Lord. So, this morning, allow Israel to bless you today by accepting the salvation offered to the Gentile world through Jesus. Israel, set aside just momentarily, giving us, non-Jews, that opportunity for salvation. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. If perchance you don't know the Lord is your Savior, Today would be a good day to do that. So let's pray together. Father God, I pray, Lord, for our leaders. I pray for our current administration. Lord, I pray that they would consider your will in the choices that they make. Lord, I don't want to see us turn our back on Israel. I believe your word when you say you're going to curse those that curse your people. Lord, we want to enjoy your blessings, not your cursings. So grab hearts. Grab hearts that are in leadership. Grab the hearts of your people that we may be praying for our government, for those in authority over us, Lord. But we ask you to bring peace. To Jerusalem. You tell us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So we do that, Lord. We ask you that, Lord, you would bring about saving your people as you promised to do. Fulfill your promise to your people, Lord. And we thank you that 
we can be part of your kingdom because of your loving grace. Thank you, Lord. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.